0: Hello, my name is Adam, and I've never seen Mystic River.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fine I'll Watch This. My name is Johnny. I'm Bridget, and this is the podcast where we uh, convince one of our friends, a family member, maybe a stranger, to watch a classic movie, a uh, forgotten gem, um, or some of the weird cult ones that we've been looking at recently over the past couple of weeks. But this week, we are looking at 2003's Clint Eastwood's Mystic River, much acclaimed picture for him. I have seen this a bunch. I imagine Bridget may have just seen this. Once there's a few people who usually just see it a bunch, and some people just see it once and they never want to see it again, <laughs> whether good or bad. Um, so we're tonight we're going to find out which camp Adam falls into. Um, so Adam, you are in the hot seat tonight. What are your thoughts? W- where have you heard of this movie? Why have you missed it?
0: Uh, I don't know why I missed it. I guess that's the easiest one to answer. It would have come out at a time where I would have been going to the movies a lot more. You know, I would have been in this would have been high school for me. So, you know, that would have been a thing you did on the weekends as you go to the movies and see all manner of things. This is this is R-rated, though, correct? Yes. Correct. Yeah. So I probably would have missed a theatrical run of this just by like a year just because I wasn't allowed to see rated R movies before uh, before legally able to on my own. So that wasn't really a thing that got that wasn't a rule I could skirt as a, as a youngin. <laughs> Uh, I don't have many of those stories of like, Oh, I saw a Terminator when I was six or anything like that. Um, So that would probably be why I missed it. That seems to be the really easy thing though. I definitely remember it existing. Like I, for some reason I feel like in my head, it's either a shot from the trailer where I just see someone standing in the rain at a phone booth clamoring for their son. And it might be Sean Penn. I think I feel like that's a, it could be another movie with Sean Penn, but I feel like knowing that he is in this movie, for some reason, I feel like it's this movie that I'm picturing, that is, man in phone booth, in the rain, clamoring for, we'll, we'll see, clamoring for a lost family member. <laughs> and I feel like I have, like, it does. This take place in Boston.
1: It does.
0: Okay, so that also might be why I know of this. I feel like there's probably a scene filmed at Fenway, just because I'm. Fairly certain, like Fenway Park has this wall in the like the area that you walk around, like the concourse, that has screenshots from different movies that have filmed at Fenway Park. And I feel like this is one of, like it's the town, it's Ted, it's Fever Pitch, it's kind of all of those. So I feel like I've seen the screenshot from that as well. So, so-
1: well, I was just going to say, Adam, to your point with it, uh, and again, I won't mention whether or not that seen exist in this movie but it does come out right before 2004 where boston is not necessarily in the spotlight as so much it is after that year where it just you seem like you get an onslaught mm-hmm. of movies particular like Free for pitch and um but then you get like the departed the town fighter gone gone baby gone yeah. um so this movie sort of exists pre 2004 championship where before that you didn't really have a lot of movies set in Boston that I can think of outside of Goodwill hunting. So,
0: yeah, there's some, like, I feel like there's some of the ones on that wall that are, Oh, it's a movie from the eighties or it's this weird one that is, isn't as popular from the, the the nineties. Right. But you're right. Late, late aughts is really when this Boston comes on the scene as a viable, shooting location, and I'm sure it comes down to tax credits and, you know, granted the popularity of the baseball team would have thrust Boston into the spotlight. Oh, yeah, the whole tourism
1: thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I think, but really with, like, this movie and Goodwill Hunting is that they they represent, and again, I don't want to get too much away from it, but, like, they represent the culture of the city a lot better than, I think, movies that were just happened to be set in Boston or filmed Mm -hmm. in Boston. Like, these are people who you know, lived generations of lives in the, in the, the neighborhood, surrounding neighborhood and the city. Um, there's a lot of references here and there to certain places, streets, professional teams. <laughs> but yeah, I, I could see how maybe this one escaped you because it doesn't really jump out and say, Hey, watch me unless like someone really has to recommend it to you or your parents, you know, have said, Hey, like you're old enough. Now you can watch this, which I have to say, I, the themes are a hundred percent R rated, but the, like the content itself, what you see on screen, I don't think it really, these days it would, this this movie would be PG-13. PG I'm not sure about the cuss words in this movie. That's probably what it would probably throw it over. but Yeah, uh, especially
0: being set in Boston. I'm fairly Correct, the, and you're going to hear some of that
1: language and the dialect in a 100%. Yeah. But Bridget, what is your experience with uh, Rio de Mystic? <laughs>
2: um, I have seen this movie a few times. Uh, I saw it, not right when it came out, because I was still in middle school, and unless it was at my father's house, I was not allowed to watch R-rated movies. Um, and this one, I think I must have watched in high school. I think I've seen it maybe three or four times. I go back to it every once in a while, because it it hits on some of my favorite things in movies. Um, dark gritty without giving too much away there's there's a crime element but i often walk away not knowing how i feel about it it's often a, it's a movie i typically watch by myself so i am intrigued to see how i feel about it this round and how you both feel about it Johnny, yep. how about
1: you? Yeah, many many valid points. I enjoyed this movie for reasons that I can't explain sometimes, but it does it has uh pictures and flashes of images that are like like singed in my brain for like the rest of my life. And not so much that like it's like someone's head getting stomped in and like I could never get rid of that. It's like just it's these some of the scenes and some of the dialogue exchanges and just like the crescendo of all the technical elements to certain scenes are just like really brilliantly done and just like really get under your skin in a really sort of frightening way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the acting is just astounding in this. And I think that's one thing, if anything, Adam, whether you enjoy the picture or not, that, you know, that the, the acting is just outrageous in this. And I'm not sure. I don't know. We didn't jump on it too much. You said Sean Penn. Do you know who else is in this movie?
0: Uh, just from like, you know, I pull up the, the movie like Wikipedia's and IMDb's when we do this just to, okay, to have for reference points. Okay, I- so I know there's it, it's a star study cast. Like, yeah. I don't I'm trying not to remember the the names offhand and I conveniently have the Skype window blocking any faces or mentions of who's in this movie um, <laughs> to try to keep it. But like I know Sean Penn, I feel like is the lead. Again, I feel like he's missing for his lost son and or brother and or wife. In the rain at the phone booth, uh, and I know Clint Eastwood directs, and there's a host of other people that are all recognizable faces whose names I don't have on the tip of my tongue at the moment, uh, mostly because I haven't seen the movie. So I'm excited for the cast. I don't know. Was this something that I assume many people, if not Eastwood himself, would have been probably nominated for Oscars that year for this? I don't. Yeah, I, I think they all I like.
2: Think I, so.
1: I think pretty much everyone in this movie either in front or behind the screen got some sort of recognition. Yeah. I mean, I think this is even the first film that uh, Eastwood composed himself. And then he started discomposing the music for all of his movies, which is kind of nuts.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah. I, cause I think before this, you really, you do have other dramas and stuff that he's done, but I mean, beyond that it's, you have like unforgiven and then some of the Westerns. Um, So here it's really starts getting into sort of like that, million dollar baby territory with okay. like the really just, you know, not to like the Oscar grabs so much. I don't want to say that even though this movie kind of is that just because some of the scenes are just like, like every scene that Sean Penn's in could have been used for that reel that they use before when they show why actors got the recognition, they got the Oscars or whatever. I mean, he's that good in it. Um, but I think there's a lot more going for this movie than just like, just scene ch- uh, Chewery and, um, all the good acting i think it's just it just it's a really solid movie i know it's i think it's like it's probably one of the longer ones we're watching i think it's like 130 minutes or something like that it's like a 10 minutes over two hours i personally don't feel it every time i watch it which is nice because sometimes that that running time might be just not i might want to watch it then but
0: yeah but i mean pacing has a lot to do with that
1: correct and making yeah. the
0: movie feel two and a half hours Versus being two and a half hours. And I looked. It's 218.
1: So. Okay. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Yeah. A um, shade longer than than some of the things we've been doing. But some of those. Even some of the shorter movies. Like what we did last week with Dennis Smoochie. Where it felt a lot longer than I think it's runtime suggested. I don't know if you forgot <laughs> whether or not you watched that movie, Johnny. But you did. Uh, so Thank
1: you for reminding me. Yep, I
0: want to remind you and the audience again that you did in fact watch that, movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm God, both sorry I mean, and they're... not sorry.
1: So <laughs> oh, you're not. <laughs> um, I guess just real quick too, because uh, I mean, I get the impression, and I know we've had discussions too, that you're you kind of move towards or have watched more of like the fun sort of superhero type of movies, action movies, sci-fi movies. I mean, do you have like any good movies that would maybe be set like like really straight, dramatic, melodramatic role uh, movies that you have enjoyed in the past or that yeah, you, maybe I mean, you would call like it like maybe one of your favorites?
0: Um, Yeah, I'm not I don't typically tend to go towards the thriller crime drama side of things. I think especially growing up and in my teens, it was mostly comedies, lighthearted action. I never really was a big fan. Of your your like you know thriller crime drama type movies. Yeah. Having said that though, the ones set in Boston are actually some of my favorites. Like I really love The Departed. I think The Town is fantastic. Uh, so this falls right in line with my wheelhouse of loving Boston and movies that have good casts that are crime dramas set in and around Boston. <laughs> like I love The Fighter. So I mean, I definitely you know seen my fair share of dramas. they aren't typically the ones I go for on rewatch, which I think yep. is why you know some of the things I've talked about on this show specifically tend to be more of the popcorny, light-hearted 90 minute comedy type of affairs just because if I'm gonna throw something on, typically I'm doing it to just either veg out or have fun or laugh a bunch. And not necessarily to, you know, worry about the downfall of humanity based on the actions of the the worst of the worst kind of thing. Right. Uh, so that I think that's mostly like where I kind of uh, lean towards. And I mean, in, even in terms of like Clint Eastwood movies, I haven't really seen much of what he's done uh, as a as a director. So this will be interesting for me too. I've only think I think I've only seen I've seen Unforgiven. I've seen American Sniper.
1: And... Yeah, I mean he's he, he's been hit or miss. I think early on he was doing. He had some really good heaters with you know Million Dollar Baby, this one, and some other ones. But I think like as of late, you know, you got like things like Sully and uh, I don't yeah. know, Changeling, or I, I can't think of some of the other ones. But he kind of jumps. You know, I love Gran Torino. I think a lot of people kind of like that because you know he was in front and behind, and it was just yeah, it I really spoke that. to a lot of his. Well, you still haven't seen that one either.
0: I uh, skipped that one. I like I got it. He was mean and racist and old and get off my lawn. Like I get it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we won't put that on the list. <laughs>
0: um,
1: that's that's more of like a fun movie. I remember like we watched it in college, and like I remember like Brian was walking in, and he uh, he sat down and like loved the shit out of that movie. Um, yeah. Again, it's 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 ridiculous, but. Um, yeah, it's it, – just to say – when you say, oh, it's Clint Eastwood directed, it must be good. These days I wouldn't say that. I would say there's a good chance it's going to be entertaining, but it's not going to be like like early 2000s sort of Eastwood, 90s Eastwood where it seemed like, a, like almost everything that he was doing behind the camera was like gold or was going to be nominated in some way or another.
0: Well, yeah, I'm not expecting this to be Space Cowboys, but
1: <laughs> – Don't. Yeah, it's not Space Cowboys.
0: Uh, and then Wait. actually Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil is another one that yeah. of his that I've seen that I honestly didn't know was him until I think like last year.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, have either of you seen Bloodwork? I think that's one of his too. It's, no. It's, uh, it's I think earlier. Brothers, no? I could have sworn. Maybe it's just because he's in it. No,
0: Bloodwork is is his.
2: I was going to say. that's okay. a is
0: That blood symbol I'm thinking of.
2: Yeah, you're, Blood Simple is the Coen Brothers. Okay. But that's another one that's similar to this one. And I would argue it's almost a predecessor. But, well, it's yeah, the year before, really,
0: so it's quite literally the predecessor. It's the prototype it gold, for, yeah. <laughs>
2: for um, this. It's, it's easy to forget, I think, how prolific he is. Because you also have, in this... Right after this time period, after Million Dollar Baby, you have Flags of Our Fathers, and then the other, I forget the name. Letters
0: to Iwo Jima. Letters
2: to Iwo Jima, thank you. The man started working more when he should have retired Mm -hmm. than any human. It's.
1: He's still doing it.
2: He's still doing it. Mystic River came out
1: almost 20 years ago. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, Recently, I think The Mule is his most recent, right?
1: Richard yeah, Jewell. and then there's one where he's playing like a
0: baseball scout or something like that.
2: Yeah, and Amy Adams is his daughter. I haven't seen it, but...
0: The like Trouble with the Curve? Yes.
2: Yeah, yes
0: He didn't do that one. He didn't direct that one, though. He's just oh, in okay. that. He's oh, okay. He's just in it. Oh, okay. But yeah, Richard Jewell, he did... That was his most recent directorial effort, which I haven't seen, though I really want to. I like the guy that plays Richard Jewell a lot. I think he kills it in every movie that he's been in recently. He's the... Uh, He's the hilarious sidekick in the Tanya Harding movie. I Tanya. Yeah, yeah, I Tanya. He's uh, the one of the he's the one literally. of the ones. That, yeah. No, he's the gluey <laughs> sidekick. He's okay. the one that uh does the whacking or whatever. But um but no, I haven't seen that one, though I do I do want to. I have heard good things, but um yeah, so I don't like I don't have a lot of you know, understanding of his style per se, just because the three movies of his that I have seen are all drastically different in genre and tone and everything. So I don't know what to expect. Because like one's a Western, one's kind of a crime drama, but not really. It's more courtroom, I guess, and slice of life-ish in Midnight in the Garden. Yeah. Of and then American Sniper is a, is a biopic about war. So like those three things are all very different. So I don't necessarily know what to expect from him going into this.
1: Well, I will say it's the antithesis of uh, Smoochie for sure. It fall, it's <laughs> yeah. completely at the other end of the the, the, the human emotion element here.
0: Prime spectrum. One's a crime spectrum. Correct. Yes.
1: They are crime movies, I suppose, if we're looking at it that way. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think without really saying too much, because I think sometimes you sort of get into like, you know, you start adjectives and sort of describing the movie that you start hinting at maybe where it's going or maybe where it's not. So I don't want to say too much more on this. So I don't know if Bridget, you wanted to add any, a couple more things. Cause I know we obviously are running into a, a two hour plus movie. I want to make sure we have enough time later on to discuss.
2: Yeah, no, I'm just, I am, I'm starting to remember things about this movie and now I'm I'm stoked. So
0: how do you guys typically feel about thrillers and crime dramas like this?
2: Love.
1: Yeah. Big fan. Love. Yeah.
2: Like, I could watch Silence of the Lambs every single day of my life and it wouldn't be a problem. Just, <laughs> I And I could probably just say the movie, recite it by heart kind of thing. Um, what is it about
0: I, that genre that, that speaks to you so much?
2: Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I, so probably because there's something wrong with me. I just like being scared but this is not a a horror jump scare kind of thing this is much more bone chilling typically
1: yeah i think you have a point bridget where like like sometimes people be like why would you want to watch that movie again or why would you ever watch that movie and it's just like For me, at least, if the movie can affect me somehow or get under my skin or make me feel something like an emotion, like anger or just like being frightened or just mesmerized, then it's already getting pluses for me like already, despite what sort of like going on theme wise or what's going on. If it really, like I said, if all the elements come together and it like creates like an emotion for me, then like it's already it's already going places where I maybe want to revisit despite how macabre and nature. Of whatever i'm watching so
2: yeah and anything that you know you often have these things lend themselves to sort of mystery and solving a puzzle oftentimes which i like and the stakes are automatically high i don't know i just like them they just well, they, they do it for me
1: nice um, Adam, did you have any last minute things to say before we jump into the river? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Dive right uh, in. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited knowing that it's a it's a good cast, and there's some pedigree to it. Set in Boston, which is a nice plus for me. So yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm ready to finally check this one off the list uh, nearly <laughs> 20 years later.
1: Awesome, good to hear. Well, Adam, what do you have to say for yourself?
0: Fine. I'll watch it.
1: We are back. We have just watched Mystic Pizza. Um, (laughs) No, no.
0: Julia Roberts knows how to run a pizza (laughs) joint. I mean, I think that's what happens in that movie. I've never seen it.
1: Right. Put it on the list. Put it on the list.
0: It it honestly might be. I don't
1: know. (laughs) Um, We have watched a completely different movie, Mystic River. Adam, you are in the hot seat. Uh, It is uh, two hours and change later. What are your thoughts?
0: Um it needs ten minutes less change. That, uh, that's right right off the rip. i this one's gonna have to sit with me for a couple of days to really figure that out. And I'm granted, maybe I might have a a better sense of it after we kind of discuss it a little bit just because. Throughout most of the movie, I had one major problem with the story being told, and that kind of preoccupied my mind through most of it, mm-hmm. uh, because it's something that comes that crops up fairly early on, and, and we'll get to the specifics of it, um, what it is that really bothers me about the story that they're telling in this movie. I thought the performances were great. There's a couple hokey moments, and there's a few bad accents uh, that... That kind of take you out of it, but just enough to be like, that's bad, and then move on. Like, none of them are so horrible that it makes it unwatchable, but there are a few where I'm just like, okay, come on. There's just something about it that bothered me, and I don't think the movie was as clever necessarily as it was trying to be or thinks that it was, but I was engrossed the whole time. So, like, I don't have a lot of notes. I remember the movie pretty well. So I th- hopefully I'll be a productive member of the conversation. <laughs> but I found myself not writing a lot of notes because I was so focused on the movie.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And because the, you know, anytime there was dialogue between multiple characters, that was engrossing. That was good. The script in this is really good. In terms of you know the speeches people make and the back and forths, I really like the dynamic between Lawrence Fishburne and Kevin Bacon. I really had a good time with most of their scenes uh, to where I would have focused more on the police procedural aspect of it. That was some of my favorite parts of this. So I liked it. It's just
3: it's a and, lot to unpack.
0: Yeah, it's a lot to unpack and I don't love it coming immediately out of it. I see the the good stuff as being really good, uh, but there's there's just one major thing that that was a hang up for three quarters of the movie until it wasn't, and we'll we'll get into we'll get into that in a little we'll bit. But I want to hear from you guys. What did what did you guys think having revisited this again? For I think you both said it'd been a few years since you'd seen it. I I,
1: I watch it probably like every year, and okay. not like kind of like I like it's on a calendar or anything. It just happens. <laughs> I think that happened. Yeah. Just once a year, I'm kind of like, it pops up in like a Amazon prime, like it's free or whatever. I think I own it on DVD and I don't think I have it on Blu-ray. Um, but yeah, it's one that I revisit fairly annually. So
0: any different thoughts looking at it for this with a more analytical eye or is, or is it just the same good movie that you've enjoyed all these years?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd, I, I kind of looked at it more of kind of like, okay, what are maybe some of the procedural plot holes that maybe and that might be something that you have, a, or that you're hung up on. But I think beyond that, it's still all of the the great moments are still just as amazing as, as I remember them being. And, you know, it's even more or less the moments where they happen more or less the dread towards those moments. Like, I mean, once you start realizing that it is her that's dead it's just it's like oh god and it's like you just you you're you're one step ahead of him two steps ahead of him and it's just it's a tough watch in many respects for that Mm -hmm. um but in short i it still holds up very well for me i don't know what, what about you bridget
2: yeah i i came out of this viewing feeling more positive about the film not that this is a positive movie (laughs) whatsoever it's a bummer um so if you this is a movie that if you put it on looking for a straight police procedural i think you won't necessarily be disappointed but it does have a lot heavier themes that's not strictly what the movie's about and it ends on a Real bummer of a note,
3: Mm -hmm. yeah.
2: Um, But watching it this time, thinking about it with sort of the mind to to talk about it on a podcast, I was able to appreciate it much more than like sometimes when I'll throw it on, like, oh, this is I know this is a good movie. There's a good. Let me put this on, and then I leave and just (laughs) shell shocked and like, oh my (laughs) fucking god.
1: So I know, there's almost brutal. no ray of light in this movie whatsoever. A very,
2: um, yeah. It's hard to find, but... Yeah,
1: there's hardly there's any...
2: Sli- there's a sliver, but...
1: Of levity, <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 it gets lost very quickly. So, Adam, we open up with, you know, an aerial Boston, you know, we get sort of, or just, you know, a neighborhood of Boston, and mm-hmm. there's sort of a two guys listening to one of the ball games, or at least are, they're, they're talking about one of the games is about to happen tonight. Yeah. Um, And there isn't immediately a time or a place of what time period it is. A couple scenes later, we realized that did you immediately understand where we were with who they were talking about or what game they were talking about?
0: <laughs> no, because, <laughs> okay. because those guys are sitting on the porch listening to the radio uh, and talking about the Red Sox that happens in every year. In the existence <laughs> of since 19, yeah, yeah, since like nineteen oh one or whatever. But
1: they dropped a few <laughs> player names in there while they were talking about it.
0: I, I heard Diaz and like Colombian, I think, which like again could be any random pitcher and any. It's a it's a year. large window, yeah, yeah. So, but it did
1: it must have placed you at least you know twenty years before.
0: Nope, not oh, even in really this life. not even nope. that. Okay, no, because everything about the way they look, like. Even those guys and the way they were dressed, while they're just sitting there on the porch drinking a beer, talking about the Red Sox, again could have been pulled from any decade sure. in in Boston, in the eighties to now. Like they were just wearing, you know, puffy coats because it was cold, and they looked tattered because it's yeah. A I mean, the clothing
1: town. and obviously the the three story houses all look the same, and I'm sure they all yeah. look the same like right now today. So, I mean, that's not. Um, well, they look but... the
0: same later when we jump ahead. And again, the time period of it didn't necessarily – the one thing where I had to to really think about the time period part of it was immediately after – and we'll, we'll cut back to what happens in this interlude. But when you cut back to, to Tim Robbins and his horrible accent, he's one of the terrible Boston accents. There's more of a reason for it, and I get that. But it's bad. <laughs> uh, I don't
1: think it's that bad, but I mean there's
0: <laughs> – when he's talking to the kid and he's like, we used to play ball down here. He, I was like, nope, that's terrible. That's a terrible You should have just talked. <laughs> you should have done it normally. <laughs> just don't. You're stretching, Tim Robbins. Uh, but when he did that, I was like, okay, wait. What were the kids' names that wrote their name? I was like, Jimmy and Sean. And I don't remember the other kid's name. And I was like, wait, what did he just say his name was? Oh, okay. These are those kids. That was 20, 30 years ago. I got it. I'm on board. Like it didn't it didn't matter to me so much that the time jump happened and there was no like 1983 like scrawled across the screen or whatever. Yeah, so that part didn't really.
1: Yeah, I right. just I think it was beyond like the clothing and maybe a couple of the cars. They I think there was an intention of placing you at what time period it was with what the guys were talking about with the socks, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wasn't too sure about, you know, I was going to pick your brain a little bit there, but if it was a little more vague than I anticipated, but, but yeah, I think a a very solid opening with, and I I love the fact that he he doesn't get to spell his whole name in the cement Mm -hmm. and like, that's when he gets taken. And (laughs) it's almost, it's a little bit of a head scratcher why they didn't like rip that, that, that block out because of how tragic of a moment that is, but it just, it just stays there. And it's, it's, it, that they're. They film a number of scenes in the movie there, including mm-hmm. the end scene. But I thought that was a pretty sort of intense moment, them getting picked up. Would you – would you think about that scene?
0: That was pretty intense. That was – I mean you knew as soon as he was like getting in the car and that other guy was in the front seat. Like you knew that something was amiss. You know. You yeah, knew. there
1: was like trash in the backseat and onion rings and shit like that. I'm like this is not a cop car.
0: No, and I wasn't sure – Again, because I didn't, I couldn't tell the time period in the moment. I wasn't sure if Dave getting kidnapped—that's the kidnapping. That's what starts this whole movie. That's okay. what gets Sean Penn's ire. Like that's Sean Penn's kid right there. I didn't realize that. Obviously, when it cuts and and he gets away and is running away and and all these, and you show him in the basement, which is super fucked up. And thankfully, they don't. They don't really imply what happens to him in there. It's just like he went they there. They your imagination run Yeah, y- yeah. You, you know, like you kind of know because he's not. He doesn't look like he's been chained up or beaten or anything like that. So you kind of, you kind of get the you sense of where else happened. he was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I like that they didn't hammer you over the head too much with what was going on there. But yeah, I just assumed at the start, in the moment, that that was the kidnapping that was going to kick this whole thing off. And it wasn't until, you know, he escapes and they're like, Oh, he's a shell of himself. Uh, I don't know. He's, I think they say he's oh, damaged goods.
2: He's damaged goods. Yeah. yeah. Which is yeah,
0: like that's a such
2: line. a damning line. Cause it, it really, his fate is written to like for him at that point.
3: Well, yeah. It's and,
2: the, the, you have um, Jimmy and Sean overhear it, And that sets the events of everything you see in the film. In mm-hmm. motion.
1: what's even yeah. more disturbing is that that seems like that guy has said like that before like this has been maybe a problem with just again not getting too deep into it but like an issue with what's been going on about adopting kids in the neighborhood or something like that you know well
2: this film is based on a book mm-hmm. this was not a plot point in the book because of when it was written but the film is produced after the spotlight investigation into the Boston archdiocese. Yeah. And so there's a shot of the man in the front of the car turns around and there's like a shot yeah, he's on ring. his ring
1: the crucifix on the ring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: And I so, you know, that. you know, there's a, it's never made explicit, but like the implication is put out there of this is not, you know, as horrifying and tragic a situation. This is it's, not uncommon in this
0: community. Right. Um, the part that got me of that, of that line was that I was fairly certain and I'd, I'd have to go back to double check, but I was fairly certain it's one of those parents that was like, wait, what cop cops don't just take the kids. Like the, one of the ones who was very concerned that Dave was taking was like, ah, that kid's fucked. Like it just seems so crass. Yeah, Like so it's concerned like,
1: at one point, then like this kid just fucked. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, and I like, granted, and that was the other thing too, that was a little rough about the opening scene, is there's no sense of how long he was kidnapped for. Because the way they play it out, and I don't remember necessarily what clothes the kids were wearing, but it, it seemed very similar, because again, kids the kids just wearing a leather jacket, and the, you know the other kids just dress in slacks or whatever. So there's nothing to distinguish it really. So I was like, wait, was he gone for four like hours? An
1: afternoon, or? yeah.
0: Yeah, um, I mean they say it later when they go in for the walk that it was like four days, but that was that I was still a little confused. Like I even have like I wrote like how long, and then like drew an arrow back to kidnapping <laughs> on the right, notes. Right. So that was a little strange, and I just thought that was super crass by that one adult to be like, dude, the kids like. Yeah, he's fucked, but like, don't say it. Yeah, yeah, right. In the group, when like the mom is still walking up the stairs, like she could have heard you. Like, don't, don't be an asshole.
1: And then I believe this is when the time jump happens, and I believe, mm-hmm. I mean, we hear it a little bit in the beginning, but I know the score is very prevalent in this, and it's mm-hmm. very much a character in this movie. Oh man, um, the,
0: the creaking sounds of the stairs when they when the kidnappers go down to to see Dave at one point. Oh yeah, it's just like.
1: And the violins thud, are going and everything. Yeah, thud,
0: just
3: like, oh, God,
0: it's like, oh, Jesus. So like that, that really ramped up the the tension again when I thought that that was the catalyst for the movie. Uh, it it had a lot more of an impact, which was then yeah. kind of undone a little bit. But right. it, it was a nice it was a nice prologue.
1: Yeah, true. And then, you know, we we jump ahead. We introduce a couple of the characters grown up. You know, we got Jimmy running the convenience store. Uh, we meet Katie for the first time, played mm-hmm. by Emmy Rossum, who I love, who just I don't is not featured in enough, I think. I mean, I watched what was it? Uh, Shameless or yeah, mm-hmm. Shameless. Yeah, she was good in that and a couple other things. We meet Brendan, Brendan Harris, mm-hmm. who's the boyfriend. Yeah. Would you sort of think about the dynamic right from the beginning as far as Jimmy just like hating on this kid? Did you have like this is going to mean something later on? Did you not think anything of it?
0: I didn't really think much of it just because there was nothing to say what the dynamic was other than they're dating. And dad doesn't like it, which could be any teenager relationship. Because I think at that point, too, I wasn't sure how old Emmy Rossum was supposed to be in this movie. So it was a very weird thing. She looked very young, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, wait, is she... She's clearly got a car, so she's somewhere between 16 and, you know, say 20 or whatever. Um, but I wasn't sure where, how, like if this was a high school crush, if this was a, you know, post-college age crush, like I didn't know. So when he's just like, "If my dad finds you, he's going to kill you. That's what a 15-year-old would say or a 16-year-old would say. So I didn't think anything of it in terms of there's a history here with the Harris clan and, you know, and Sean Penn. So that that didn't really strike me as anything out of the ordinary for what we had seen thus far. I was a little confused about who Jimmy was because I, I believe the kid version of Jimmy was like a short blonde haired kid. And then Sean Penn comes in here with his long flowing black hair. <laughs> I was just like, wait, is that the same?
1: Well, you kid? know, it was, it, you're, you, you have a point because I kind of made note of that too, when they were writing their names, so I thought that was so weird. Cause I'm like, why is he, why are they writing? Uh, yeah, it was just,
0: so that was a little bit at the beginning being like, wait, I thought he was blonde. Who's Who's Jimmy? What's happening? Yeah,
1: like it, I, 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 it's not explained. Yeah, and that was that. just
0: the initial, like, correction. It doesn't affect. And
1: then, then you figured it out fairly people. quickly, yeah. Yeah, it
0: doesn't affect. Because at that point, the prologue doesn't really matter as much. I mean, it does in the grand context of Dave specifically. Um, and they kind of touch on the how would our lives be different if one of us got in the car or if all of us got in the car. Like, how would things have Shaken out, but the prologue doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of figuring out which character was which kid actor.
3: Yeah,
1: beyond like revisiting shots that you see later on, where you know, uh, Dave gets picked up by the Savage Brothers and they have like that sort of scene Mm -hmm. where it looks like the scene from Uh, the beginning, which is like rough. It's like, oh, you know, he's fucked. And then, like, even later on, where um, Sean and Jimmy are just watching like said invisible car drive off, you know what I mean? They just it looks the same as they were when they were kids.
3: Yeah. So beyond was... that,
1: you're right. They could have just used some sort of like exposition later on to sort of tell you what sort of happened. But um I think it's it 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 it's it plants the seat for this just like unsettling uh mm-hmm. movie from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So whatever we set up a few characters and um I'm trying to figure out how we arrive at um the car being found. And I won't jump too far ahead, but if there's any meat before that, I, you I guys. Mean, go.
0: The um, only thing that's of consequence, I feel like is seeing Katie at the bar, the same. Corre- bar okay, as yeah. Dave. Mm-hmm. That's because she goes off. They have their fun. You cut to Dave. He's just having a drink at the local, you know, townie bar. Nothing of consequence, really. Oh, and
1: then Dave comes back home. But, that is significant. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And
2: and has the, Lies to Celeste for the first time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. God, every one of those scenes with David Celeste is just like,
3: oh, oh yeah.
2: So upsetting. Because <laughs> um, uh, uh, he is, I think in some ways, the movie frames him as the, the ultimate victim, the ultimate lamb to the slaughter to a point. And then she is framed as. The ultimate sinner, I think, in the eyes of the film. But we'll, I think we'll get there.
0: Yeah. But you see her
2: unravel and it's so, in some ways, understandable how she might get there.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. And yep. I mean, this, ahead, this point, Sorry. since we're talking about it, him coming home all bloodied in the start of the lies, is my big problem with the movie. Oh, okay. Is that his, the red herring of Dave Did It is so thick. And at no, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, just get me to the swerve. Like, just get me to – because I know that he didn't do it. I know he didn't. They wouldn't have shown me all the blood. They wouldn't have laid all these clues out here. It's so obvious from the film's perspective of the story that he did it that I know he didn't do it. And so it was one of those things where I didn't care as much. like, I felt bad for him. I knew what was going on in his head. I knew why things were so fucked up, but I was just like, get me to the point where everyone else catches up to where the, like, I don't know if if you guys felt this way the first time you saw it, but my whole kind of thought was like, just get me to the point where everyone's on board with where I am right now. And this is 15, 20 minutes into the movie.
1: Yeah, I, I I sort of I think I remember having the same feeling when I was watching this one, and you know, funny enough was when I was watching like Shawshank like Redemption. It's like we know this guy's like innocent, you know? What I mean, we're not going to put all this out front and like have spent a whole movie with him mm-hmm. to find out that he's guilty at the end. So I understand your pain, thinking that oh, you wanted it to be a little more mysterious, but yeah, I think it's built for you to be at least three or four steps ahead as far as what's going on. And just having the dread and feeling because that that makes it all the more painful to watch when he gets picked up by the Savage Brothers and all this stuff is going on. It's like, he's innocent, he's innocent, he's innocent, he didn't do it. And then like obviously the cherry on top of finally seeing that like cutback to him beating the crap out of that pedophile and everything Mm -hmm. is just like, okay, finally we get to see exactly what happened. But we knew that's like what happened in one shape or another. Yeah. Um, So like
0: when we get to that point later on in the movie where it's revealed and they show you what really happened, it wasn't a mugger, it wasn't the garbage disposal, it wasn't the chain link fence to get the wiffle balls. By the time we got to that, I started reprocessing the movie a little bit. Like I kind of took almost a beat to be like, okay, now that we're here this point that I've been waiting for, for an hour 20, an hour 40, whatever, whatever point we were at, I was like, okay. Does it matter as much that the whole movie was a misdirect, but also very direct, uh, and it like it it bothered me less going forward from that moment? But everything leading up to it, gotcha. and there's another point we'll get to where I you know, and I don't like to do this because it ruins experiences, but I guessed more or less who really did it about halfway through. And so I was like, okay, I know the two beats that we need to get to at the end. Let's get to them and I'll reevaluate how I'm feeling and how they've pulled off. Because that's the thing. You're watching this or I'm watching this and I'm wondering how are they going to pull this off? What are they going to show me that changes things for one character or another? Like, how are they going to unfold this? Because I know it's not what you're telling me it is.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're on with this movie, you're not just following one character and trying to figure out what that one character, what's going on. You're going around to all these different perspectives. So unlike the the benefit of, you know, later on investigating it and, and stumbling upon these things, we've, we've seen them all already. So, I mean, the stuff that like Kevin Bacon and Lin- Lawrence Fishburne are, are hunting down, we saw 20 or 30 minutes ago. So it's just, it's that type of movie where you just are given way more of all the information and all the stuff, all the evidence on a board um, well beforehand that, like you said, it, it's if, if you're if you're the reward you're looking for is an aha moment or like, oh, my gosh, moment, mm-hmm. you're not going to get that. You're only going to get that in like. In, in the scenes of the dialogue and the acting and the way scenes sort of like move together mm-hmm. um, is the more impressive part of the movie than like you said the procedural part of it. So I think in many respects, like you said, if you were looking for that, I can understand you sort of walk and be like, uh, I don't know. I was I kind of knew it was gonna happen. Well, I don't really think that was the intention of you to be behind on the story whatsoever.
0: Yeah, and I think I think part of it was just my Perception of what the movie would be going into it because you see thriller, you see crime drama. I thought this was going to be more of a gone baby gone where you find out the oh my God at the end Mm -hmm. rather than a, you know. Here's who did it, and we're we're gonna show you why. Like this was more yeah. criminal minds than law and order.
1: Oh, with yeah. like with that with that movie, like Casey, you follow Casey Affleck like that entire movie. Like I don't think it strays too far. Like too many scenes where there's just like someone else. He's constantly trying to figure it out for himself. So yeah. you are very much with him in his shoes throughout. Here you're getting different scenes, different you know you know you're getting Celeste and Dave talking about vampires and wolves yeah. at night, and mm-hmm. you're seeing like there's just no. This guy is obviously very you know damaged goods but you know it's you have it's, a, a you have a gut feeling that like it is not him whatsoever
3: yeah
2: the the that first i love that first uh dave and celeste scene because that's where you get dave gives essentially what i think is the thesis statement of this film where he's like coming down from what she thinks is a mugging and what he knows is i've committed murder um, and he is just sort of like shaken in the chair. And he says, it makes you feel alone hurting somebody. And she says, mm-hmm. oh, well, you had to. Which clearly she doesn't totally buy into the same way Annabeth does. Uh, but then he says, it makes you feel alien. And it's sort of the 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 alienation and the disconnect that comes from these cycles of violence. Mm-hmm. And so much of this movie is talking about what goes around, coming around and being sort of trapped within your own history and how do you escape it Mm -hmm. and so you have one character i think who's successfully able to get out of the cycle and one who just fully embraces it
1: Um, right and all the violence is done with different motivations from different characters they're all like not the same you know it's
2: Mm
3: -hmm.
1: you know they're they're all not trying to like go and hurt someone because katie got killed you know what i mean you know it's it's You get Dave's, you know, Dave's trying to, you know, hurt someone because of his past and someone that did something to him because of pedophiles. And you got obviously Jimmy, who's trying to hunt down the killer. So it's just a completely different motivations as far as violence. Mm -hmm. All right. So I think we, we, we covered the beginning of it. And then I think it gets really to like where your, your stomach, you're really starting. So, so you know, you're ahead of the game at this point, you know, Mm -hmm. we're going to see Jimmy walk into a scene where he discovers his daughter is the one that's dead, and like that whole sequence leading up. It's not even like the whole scene where he just all the cops grab him and he's screaming, and it's almost borderline cliche or whatever. It's but too, it's like a little too much. It's yeah, the, but but that's every, my daughter
0: in there. That was he was right. too many. That's my daughter in there. Yeah, I but, could have used mixing it up. Like let me see her. Let me through. That's my daughter in there. I yeah. have to see her. She's my baby. Like mix it up a little bit. And don't just repeat the same thing while right. looking up at the sky, going "My daughter's in it." Like I, it was a little too much for me. It's uh, it yeah, me I,
1: that's that's understandable. But like at least what they did s- smartly enough is do a lot of quieter moments where you know he shows up to or he, he like he's at the church and he has like a gut feeling someone's going on. He looks back. You get the music going on, which is not the usual score the way it's done. It's due to like the church organs, which is like really eerie. And then he shows up at the scene and there's like no score going on. And you see like a cop move out of the way and you see the license plate of his daughter's car. And it's like, Oh my God. Like, you know, all is going to happen, but you just feel his like, that's my, that's my daughter's car. That's, that's, that's my daughter. And then, all of it leading up is like, like again, I think all the stuff, the the crescendos in this movie are like excellent. The actual like reveals or the scenes themselves are not as nearly as strong, but there's, they still do justice.
0: Yeah, everything leading up to that's my daughter in there on repeat was great. Like walking out of the church, getting the hug from the other daughter, like the happy family moment. To that, oh my God, six cop cars just drove by. Something's up. No one's heard from Katie. She didn't come home. She wasn't at her friends. Nobody's seen her. She missed work. She didn't call out. She didn't pick up. Everything's messed up. So as a father, you know, you get that gut feeling. The tension there, getting to the park, cutting back and forth between Kevin Bacon on the radio, finding out that Jimmy's there, going over to talk to him. The Savage brothers kind of run interference in so he can sneak around and you know getting the bolt cutters so they can go you know break into the fence and get where they need to go to like all that stuff is great it just took me out of it in that exact moment where he just screamed the same line four or five times with various camera angles and then it but then i was right back into it it was just like
3: mm, it, it gotta, is a little gotta, more gotta
0: grandiose
1: than it needs to be but it's i think it's one of the few moments where it just revels in its own sort of like misery and just like let's like just amp it up a couple more Especially with the score and everything, it's just – yeah, I, I I totally understand that. Um,
0: but as soon as that's over, you're right back into, oh my god, this is devastating. Oh my god, he's going to have to go ID the body. At one point, I got really scared when they didn't show the ID of the body scene yet, but you see Laura Linney walking down the hallway of the hospital, and I was oh, like, yeah. oh oh no, did he – did he go looking for whoever did this and send her to ID the body? Because that is some fucked up shit. I was glad that he was there being like, I haven't seen her yet. I don't know. Because I was really worried that he was about to go do something and go start his, you know. Vendetta, yeah. Yeah. And she was meant to be the one. I'm like, why would you ever send your wife to ID the body? That's That's so messed up. Which it wasn't even her daughter, which I didn't – you don't realize until they tell it to you later on.
1: <laughs> Which is good. I, I like that when you sort of have to find that, like, oh, okay, this is kind of like, you know, yeah. a, a broken family. you know, this is a second marriage, What have you? It's just yeah, it's,
3: it's, it's, laid, in,
1: so.
2: it's laid in organically, yeah, so whichever. that when you, yeah, when you get to, you know, what happened to Ray senior, the that motivation feels it doesn't feel slapped in. It doesn't feel totally like a swerve. It feels like something you've just sort of uncovered naturally yeah. as the viewer.
0: And it's not an important factor that she's of a different... Because Laura Linney's character clearly loved her very much. She breaks down. She even says, like, well, you haven't seen her. It could, it could be somebody different. Like, it could be somebody else. Someone could have stolen the car. It could be a different girl. We don't We don't know. And she's visibly upset. So it doesn't really matter that she is. It's just that was a nice touch that was laid in of... Oh, that's when you really start to realize that, like, oh, Jimmy had a previous life.
2: I like, see. I I have a little bit of a different take on the Laura Linney character, especially the second viewing. She's a fucking there, psych. there's <laughs> an edge to it because the first time that we meet her, she's pissed that you know where is Katie? Is Katie gonna fuck up this day? Yeah. Is she gonna fuck up my daughter's communion? Yeah. They're your daughters too. And I think she's clearly she's bereft about this, but there is a lot of talk about how Katie is the reason that Jimmy ends up going straight and staying on the straight and narrow, essentially, besides, mm-hmm. you know, the, but overall is very focused on staying on this straight path. Mm-hmm. And you see her throughout hinting at either directly herself or sending her father, hinting at domestic responsibilities. What are your responsibilities to this family to meet your wife? And then her. she's got her ultimate Lady Macbeth speech at the end, which I think will too. But there's some- There's an
1: inherent favoritism going on just because the two daughters are her blood daughters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think- and
2: I, Yeah, and I don't even think it's favoritism about- you know, these are my blood children, although I'm, I think that's there. It's a without her in the way, you are empowered and emboldened to make these difficult choices for us as a family. Like, I need you to be the hard and scary man.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right. I did really like that domestic responsibility speech. Oh, you so know, funny. when he's like, I'm sorry, your daughter died in her sleep. She just went to bed and didn't wake up. My daughter was murdered. She was 19. This is not the same. How dare you come into my house and tell me what to do? Like, I don't know how to take care of my family. Like, fuck you. I was like, all right, there we go. Badass Sean Penn. Here we go. Yeah, I really I love like that speech a lot.
1: Yeah, I love that whole sequence just because, I mean, I'm sure we've all been through, you know, funeral receptions. And it's just like you don't know how to feel or like how, you know, do you. Do you joke and laugh and try to like l- let loose and try to forget about where you are, or do you just like be miserable, or like how do you react, or I- have you even got a chance to react to what's going on? And I think Sean Penn does such a brilliant job of trying to figure out how to react to the situation, and then it sort of just culminates to that one scene, which is I think one of my favorite scenes in the movie is just him and uh, Dave on the porch, and mm-hmm. he's just – you know, he's like, what? it's so sad when he goes He's like, I, I came up for a smoke, and then he's like, all right, I'll leave. And he goes, no, can you stay? And it's like, oh my god. And then it's just, you know, he's talking about wanting to hug her again. He's like hugging himself, and he starts crying. And you know, he's like, I just want to cry for my daughter. And Dave's like, you, Jimmy, you are crying. It's like that's so, it's so real to like, I got to imagine like how it like it it could be how that could have happened with this particular mm-hmm. situation. It's so yeah. there's there's a lot of moments that just feel so grounded and real that they don't even seem scripted at all.
0: Well, and especially I- too, because Jimmy's such a, like a hard ass guy, right? He's clearly a take no guff. He's willing to kill the boyfriend. He's willing to, you know, do whatever, you know, he's willing to yell at his father-in-law, and, you know, in this moment, like he's, he's not taking shit from anybody. So it was, it was really nice to see him kind of break down and not even realize it because it seems like he hasn't really done that a lot. I mean, I don't – I never really got the sense that he even mourned uh, Maria, the first wife. He was just like, yeah, I came home and she was dead or dying and we just – we moved right on to to taking care of Katie. And so that's uh, – Yeah, And he, he,
1: he could easily have cried a bunch of times in his life, but he's just so prideful that like he would have never admitted that he has done that in the past that when he does do it and someone sees it, it's like – Jimmy, you you are crying right now, and like he just doesn't know how to like understand like that's happening or like a distinct emotion that's going on.
0: Well, yeah, I mean and to that, to that point, he's crying when he says, "That's my daughter in there." Like I'm fairly certain he was crying. And then Timmy's says, so "He's like, I just want to cry for her." I'm like, "You did right when it happened. It was very yeah. sad, very impactful." Yeah. But go ahead, Bridget.
2: No, I was gonna say, and it's I think it's key that. The You know, as much as the, the screaming in the park, it's raw, but it's not intimate. And that intimate sadness, that complete brokenheartedness, it's not with his wife, because when she shows up and starts crying, he's in the comforter protector role. But it's Dave who he feels comfortable,
3: mm-hmm. you
2: know, being broken, being damaged goods along with. And you start Mm -hmm. to really see how their fates are tied and all this shared history again, even though they're not close, they probably wouldn't have considered themselves great friends as adults that he can sense Dave. Okay. This is a person who is safe to be vulnerable with, because this is someone who might have an inkling and understanding of the pain that I'm in. He's not going to compare, like someone dying in their sleep to my daughter being
0: murdered. Mm-hmm.
2: Here's someone I who just gets it.
0: yeah. He's dealt with tragedy. Mm-hmm. As, his own tragedy. Um, so he'll he'll understand me.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but how long, you know, how long can he sit and rest and be okay with being damaged goods?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and it's not very long,
1: right, right. So not long after that scene, we start getting a little more of like a – not like a montage per se, but we get the uh, the two detectives, Kevin Bacon and Lawrence Fishburne, running around interviewing mm-hmm. people that hopefully haven't been tainted by the Savage Brothers. I know, Adam, you said that you pretty much had your uh, your, your eyes locked on, uh, Dave not doing it. Did anything like pop up like there that you were kind of like, well, that's interesting that – I mean, you, you yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because I'm supposed to. Yeah. You know, like when they're interviewing the old woman who does not go to the window in her dressing gown, good for her. <laughs> of course not. Just a modesty that is lost <laughs> in this day and age. Um, when they go to her and she says, I heard hello, that's obviously meant to be like, oh, okay. Dave said in the bar he's known that girl since she was young or her whole life or something to that effect. So clearly they know each other. They've been, they probably would have been friendly. It seems like. They both still live in the neighborhood, so kind of thing. That was like a false connection
1: they were trying to represent.
0: I just thought it, it was just one of those things where it seemed like every time they discussed a piece of evidence, it pointed to Dave. So I'm obviously supposed to think that it's Dave, but I know but that you're it's smart not. you to think
1: the other way, yeah.
0: But yeah, but like I, at no point was I like, you know what? Mm, maybe it was Dave. Yeah. Like maybe this is one of those psychological thrillers where we're gonna watch him lose his lie and basically explode in a of course i killed her because you let like you made us right in the cement you made us break the law you made us think like that was a cop that came up and got us like it's your fault that my childhood was taken away so i took her childhood away like i thought we were going to get that kind of speech gotcha which we kind of did but it didn't really land because of, we know he didn't do it at that point. So I thought, you know, there's a, there's a possibility that that's the kind of movie we're in for is you don't, you're not supposed, you're supposed to know who did it the whole time. We're ne- we were never lying to you. This was never a misdirect. And this yeah. is going to culminate in a big character reveal to each other. But I still was never really wavering from the, I know there's a swerve coming. And I think most of that is probably because I've seen so many similar movies that have come out since like your departed and things where yeah. there are these swerve moments. So I think that tainted the experience a little bit to where I wasn't as open to maybe they aren't trying to, to, you know, gotcha me. Yeah. But I
1: think that and- I think, yeah, the, when you want to find like concrete connections, what I find really fascinating are like the actual like backend connections for like how, you know, race, uh, race, senior like Just Ray and all that stuff like that's way more fascinating to me than like mm-hmm. like at the procedure that's going on because it's building you like that background and the family mm-hmm. you start looking at a hierarchy of like what's going on with the family tree of the connections like that's way more fascinating because that's that's still mysterious. There's nothing that leads you to believe that you know like how it's gonna how that's gonna play out from the beginning. You know, Dave is is not the killer in the beginning, but you yeah. have no idea like how Just Ray plays in. The how the two kids play in. Well,
0: I mean, when they, that part started, there was part of me where I was like, maybe just raise the killer. Maybe he came back and you know, he's, he's, he's getting his, his revenge because you know, something, Jimmy did something to him just yeah. as bad back in the day. So like, I, I think that's why I gravitated more towards the police procedural stuff is because it fleshed out everything that was going on beneath the surface of child is murdered. Friend is pretty high up there on yep. the suspect lists everything's going on all these different dynamics at play at the friendships that fell apart you know as adults so i think that's why i kind of lean more towards it the only part of that uh, of those two characters both uh, bacon and fishburn was i didn't really like the my estranged wife calls me and doesn't say anything oh! The, the very bizarre worst. plot line. Very bizarre plot line that's in this. I'm not it sure why it's there, but it doesn't mean anything. Especially because they just show the lips, and like that almost implies that maybe this woman is involved somehow, or that they're gonna pull it back and, oh no, the ex-wife's Laura Linney. What? You know, something like that. <laughs> so I was just like, I don't. I don't care. Yeah,
1: this movie, it's – some movies are really well-adapted. I'm sure this one you would consider a well-adapted movie from from the book. But I got to imagine a lot of that stuff is a lot more fascinating in chapters and pages
2: it, where it plays, it's like – It plays better in the book. It plays
1: better because I'm sure there's just like a single chapters where he's just trying to have a conversation with her. And he's maybe having inner dot, like inner monologues in his head about what's going on or whatever. I'm not trying to assume what's in the book, but I got to imagine that what we would see in the film as being just fodder and filler and why is that in there? That it's more fleshed out and way more interesting uh, on the page. Um,
0: But one part I did like of that dynamic was when he was looking at the old pictures from childhood, sitting there on the couch in the dark going, not right now. I can't do whatever this is thing that we're doing where you call and nobody talks like – Not today. I keep putting killers away and people still keep getting killed. Like, a girl is murdered. Like, I know that girl. I know the family. This fucking sucks. Like, that was a really good moment for Kevin Bacon. But I feel like you probably could have found that time to do that speech with any other character that you had already established. Like, maybe it's Lawrence Fishman coming in and hammering home the Dave angle. And he's just being like, dude, not like – it's been a long week. Like, we'll pick this up on Monday. I just – I can't right now, like, everything's spinning, everything's fucked up, I just can't with you right now. You still could have had that impactful speech, um, if you cut that whole weird silent phone call thing.
2: Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't want to see her on the other end, like...
1: Oh, just her lips moving? It's just like, yeah.
0: Yeah, like, breathing, almost speaking.
2: Yeah, it's, I think, I think they must have felt like they couldn't do it, because... Him making the apology and her agreeing to finally speak to him again, their reunion is so much a part of his semi-redemption arc.
1: Yeah, he I he just, needed a I small redemption part because all three of them sort of had one, and he, he needed at least a small one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I guess yeah. that's what they, you know, obviously yeah. Dennis Dennis LaHaye, I think, is the, uh, the, the novelist.
2: Yeah, um, uh, but I just don't want to see her. <laughs>
1: yeah, just yeah, it's, it's, it's it was it was kind of just like oh let's just let's, let's get to the next scene.
3: Yeah.
1: Um. But all right, so just quickly, just get out of the way. But so the the they're interviewing everyone, but they interview Brandon for the first time. So we obviously know we have in our head Dave is not the killer, but we don't know who exactly is the killer. Maybe at this point, mm-hmm. Brandon pretty much loses it because he it's the first time he's hearing about um mm-hmm. Katie dying. How that scene sort of play out for you? Did you catch anything? Did you kind of hold on to anything and put in your back pocket, like, okay, this kid's up to something, or this kid absolutely loved her and he's absolutely not a suspect?
0: No, I, uh, I, didn't, I didn't figure him as a suspect at all. He seemed very sincere. I was right there with Kevin Bacon or with Sean being like, no, he seemed like he really loved her. He seemed like he was really going to. And, like, I think I was more suspicious of the mom at that point because, like, Mom is Because she was well, yeah, such, a a f- yeah, <laughs> such a shitbird. Yeah, bitch. And the way she was like, what, you gonna leave me? Just like your dad? You are gonna get out of here? You're not even saying nothing? I was like, yeah, she could have done it. She could have, you know, she could have found a gun. Oh, she God. Oh, it. It oh, in in her. Her. Yeah, <laughs> God,
1: when she's like, uh, well, I don't know, he went to bed at 7 and came down to 10, but he may have gone down the fire escape and killed everyone in Boston. Yeah. <laughs>
0: over your chain smoking in her like, oh, like what a psychopath like, so,
1: obviously zero empathy came. for your own son yeah so hateful Well, because
0: he was gonna leave her so yeah if, she, if he's gonna leave you know he could go up the creek for all she cares yeah, yeah.
2: her father was a douchebag yeah. better you're better right. off yeah
1: like, oh but side note i will say mm-hmm. he's one of the stronger side characters in this like mm-hmm. acting wise and just sort of like the way that's fleshed out and yeah um
0: I enjoyed and, his work a lot, yeah. especially the interrog- Like when they go to interrogate him, even after the polygraph about the gun. That whole scene where he's just like, my dad didn't have a gun. I did. Nope. Like, it's not. Are you going to arrest me? Like, I didn't yeah. do it. You know I didn't do it. I aced the polygraph. Obviously, the gun's in play. And at this point, I had figured out what was going on. Um, but I never really pegged him from the start. He did a really good job. Like, whoever that actor is, which I feel like I recognized... But I don't actually know anything that he's from, I don't think. Uh, but he did a really good job with that, like, pat, like impassioned crying of just like, she was the love of my life. I'm not going to find that again. You don't find that twice. I guess Kevin Bacon's line of you don't even find it once sometimes was good considering everything he's going through. Yeah,
1: for. I, I kind of like that line too. Um,
0: but at the same time, he also really loves his wife still and is – treating it like she was always going to come back. So clearly he found it, but I did like that line. Uh, so I liked that whole scene and, and never once did I peg him as a, as a suspect in my eyes.
1: Yeah. I love how everyone who's been touched by the murder, like in a, in a hard way, like continues to sustain being rattled for most of the movie. And he, mm-hmm. him in particular seems like he's constantly just like ready to burst into like some sort of tear or rage. Like, like, he's so filled with like his, the veins are popping out of the side of this guy's head like the whole movie i felt so bad for this kid um
0: that's one of the things that i like a lot about those movies set in boston is that they usually do a really good job of showing you that like the suburbs of boston are a very tight knit small community on the outskirts of a big city they're still you know technically boston but it hits everybody. You know, you know, everybody, right. you see everybody down at the corner store. Everybody goes to McGill's on Friday night. You know, you just like, you know, the people and the people are affected when tragedies like this happen. And granted, these people are more interconnected, but it's still a thing where, you know, the kid gets kidnapped and everyone's there on the stoop waiting for him to come home and make sure that the mom's OK. You know, they, they've they got all these kinds of of moments. And the, those are really nice touches to just show the devastation continuously Waving through this whole This whole little small knit Community right right
1: So whatever we have a couple of the interrogations But I think one of the the first stronger Set of scenes are uh, Which is the number Of Celeste and Jimmy scenes In this movie which are just almost Equally as disturbing as the Celeste and Dave Scenes in this well Dave obviously is a little More disturbed but um, I think it's one of the first times That Celeste is trying to tell jimmy that she's mm-hmm. maybe thinking of something going on with dave and i love both of their dynamics it just i you can tell that there's a family dynamic a little bit there it's hinted at but um well she's I related
0: th- to laura linney right yeah
1: they're cousins cousin. or cousin. sisters or something yeah
0: cousins. is laura linney a savage yes
1: Oh, she is. Okay, that makes a little more sense to me now. Maybe I didn't pick that up from before.
0: Okay, because I don't think it's ever expressly said. No,
2: she's not. Sorry, I thought you meant like a, a stallion savage. I was like, you watched the movie.
0: Yeah. Um. (laughs) Just because like the way that because even one of the savage brothers says
2: she was my niece, but he also says not by blood.
0: Well, yeah, because she wasn't by blood, because that was the other the other woman, and she also said that at one point the savages go. I think when. Um, when Celeste is on the stairs at one point about to talk to Jimmy, where he says like, how's it going? Cause which again, could just be a colloquialism of their close knit family dynamic. But first yeah. C- I don't, it seemed like they were all kind of, and the way they were standing at the stairs at the end, all together like that. I couldn't really tell if it was like a mini mafia situation or an actual familial group dynamic. Um, so that's why I wasn't sure, but it, it came off to me like she might be a savage in both the Megan the Stallion way and also the family name of the two dweebs.
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And uh, Celeste is just like, I forget who that actress is, but she just she's oh, so she good in this. She, yeah, she's so she, good in this. She, she yeah, won an
2: Oscar. Her, she won an
1: Oscar for this one?
2: Yeah, she did. Her, Tim Robbins, and Sean Penn.
0: That's right, all three of them did, yeah. All three of them. Just gotta say, I didn't it. love her in this. I thought it was too... It's because
2: you were disturbed by just how she was shaking like a leaf the entire time. Kind of. Like a, it, like it a lost very... baby fawn.
0: Yeah, it was very one it's uncomfortable of... to look at. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Just because, all right, she doesn't trust Dave. I get the signs of why, you know, he comes home with a story about getting cut and someone you know dies the very same night. That's suspicious in and of itself. He's a weird dude. He then lies to to Jimmy about it. She hears that from the upstairs window that he tells her a different – he tells Jimmy a different story. I get why she was. But so many of her scenes in this are just trembling and going, huh? It's basically like every scene with her is the scene in the car at the pier or whatever, where it's just shaking and looking off in the distance like, what am I going to do?
1: yeah I just I can't. I mean, obviously we can't we have no idea what it feels like to have a spouse or a significant other no. thinking that maybe they killed someone, <laughs> particularly someone that's like, you know, somewhat related in some way or another. Yeah. um, but yeah, I just I think for what maybe they told her to do on paper, she really killed that. I mean, maybe that's not really her ultimate choice. You know what I mean? The script is the script and the direction is the direction. But I think what she did as far as being, completely just fearful and uh nervous and anxiety ridden and like like her nervous smile just sent like it it curled my blood it just like i I didn't like yeah just a very disturbing performance whether you sort of bought it or not but i i certainly i certainly uh took it as uh as genuine
0: yeah i think my problem is more the the script and what she's asked to do than it is her performance because she does convincingly pull off scared spouse of murderer we don't know we're not quite sure who technically at this point but she does pull off scared spouse of murderer very well it was yeah. just i don't know i needed her to to do more or have less of those moments As i feel like there's three or four moments where she goes to try to tell jimmy and i'm just like maybe two you know the if it had just been the one where they were sitting there drinking or if it had just been the one on the stairs. And I think there might have even been one more where they're like, what? It's okay. Like, it's fine. You can tell us. There's So
1: many scenes on a stoop in this movie. I love it.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
2: One of them is her with Sean, actually.
3: Mm. The one where
2: she's like doing the, I'm trying to walk away, but I'm not. Yeah. Oh, you gotta go.
1: I gotta go home and tremble.
2: I gotta gotta go home and shake like a chihuahua. Um, (laughs) just so trembly. it's amazing
1: she even dressed herself in the morning like it's crazy
2: like yeah her her, like her eyeliner should just be like a bunch of squiggly lines Basically, under her eyes yeah. um and uh, so darty
3: right, which i right. think
2: is i think you need because you really just can't tell if she's going to hold out like how long she can hang on before Because you
1: need i think you need someone in this story that just is so like i said rattled and like knows that like she absolutely is the one who's convinced that it's him mm-hmm. while everyone else around her is trying to either figure that out or knows that it's not dave so you kind of need something to bounce that off with so i think you need someone like that in this story um and yeah. she i think she does a great job of doing it and then, like, so you have like that first one with Celeste and Jimmy, and then you have the first Dave, Dave with Wolves story, which is just like every one. Of, like, I think there's only two of them, but they're so haunting and the way they're lit, and it just the music is just the mm-hmm. oof. When oof. you so some of my favorite scenes in this movie.
2: Yeah, when the anytime you have Dave in
1: shadow spiral <laughs> mode
2: and <as laughs> Shadow, he's shot. He looks both frightened and he is frightening and he's, you know, there are multiple moments where he's saying the exact wrong thing at the wrong time. And even though you as the viewer basically know he didn't do this, you at the same time, you see him stepping on the rake of, Oh my God, you're writing your own Mm -hmm. execution warrant in your blood basically. But particularly those scenes with Celeste where he's, talking about the vampires and he's talking about the
0: werewolves Mm -hmm. um i did like that scene a lot i did like his kind of breakdown that was really the only time where i thought maybe he did do it Mm -hmm. that's
2: that's where you get convinced like oh maybe he is capable of this
0: yeah the part especially because i think at one point when she never accuses him i don't think i don't think so ever accuses him she never way
3: too
1: scared. She's way too scared to do that.
2: Yeah, Yeah, she never directly confronts him.
0: No, but that part where he's like, oh, we're not making sense now. Like you thinking I killed Katie. And at one point he starts breaking down and it almost sounds like he's laughing. I'm fairly certain in the moment that he's crying, but you can't see his face. And it's, it's obscured by his hand, but it's also like... His his back is to the camera and his back is completely in shadow because the lamp is in front of him. And he does that slow turn where his face is illuminating and you can kind of see his mouth. And I'm looking like, is he smiling? Is he about to, like, go bananas? And God, he- it's so dynamite.
1: <laughs> it's such a dynamite acting. And I, I, OK, yeah. so maybe the Boston accent isn't there, but everything around his performance is excellent.
0: Yes, uh, that's why I said, like, the accent when he first starts talking, I was just like, nope, you shouldn't have done it. You should have just gone Regular Tim Robbins talking that would have been fine by me. Not everybody needs to sound like they're from Southie in a movie about Boston. Like it's fine. Lawrence Fishburne pulled it off. He only says transplant from Vermont. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's fine. Um, That was the one moment where I thought maybe because it was a very slow, deliberate burn to even show you his face while he's talking about like I think he said something to the effect of like. Once you do it, or like once it's in you, like you it can't stays. stop it, it stays. And, and I was she like,
3: says, What stays?
0: Yeah. Is it Goose murder bumps. that stays? Yeah. yeah. So that was really the only time where I thought, you know what? Maybe he did. And once you see that he's crying and is breaking down, that his wife doesn't trust him, he's killed the man. Like we know that he's a murderer, justified or not, we're not sure still yet because we haven't seen the ultimate reveal of what actually happened. So we know that he's committed a murder and he's very broken down about that. But now he's, he's even more alone because not only has he taken this life, which makes you feel alone and alien, his own wife doesn't believe him, which makes him feel alone and alien. Uh, The cops don't believe him. And they're asking a bunch of questions, which he's both scared about the murder. He did commit as much as he is the murder that he doesn't. And so all of that is, very present in that scene, uh, and I liked that uh, a lot.
1: Yeah, very, very, very solid scene. It's funny, My, all of my notes are just like Celeste and Dave, Dave and Sean, mm-hmm. Celeste and Sean. <laughs> but I love but, the,
0: the constant asking for a sprite in this sh- in interrogation. Oh yeah,
1: are things looking any better on the sprite, Sean? Like,
0: yeah. <laughs> just... Which again made him kind of seem like a sociopath. Of like, I'm getting grilled for murder here. They seem to have me over a barrel. And I'm just here being like, so what about that Sprite? And I guess the blood in the trunk is in mine, and you said people stole it, so what about that? Like, he did seem very cool, calm, and collected, which is what a, like a serial killer seems like in those interrogation. Like, that felt almost Hannibal Lecter-ish, of like, what are you going to do to me? Like, I'm smarter than all of you. you know, yeah, it, I mean,
1: it was almost like we were just as confident as he was, because the way they set that up were like, okay, the car was stolen. It's like, okay, now, like there's a window of time where anyone could have fucked with that car or done anything with it. So it's like, he's, he's going to walk. I mean, there's nothing. Yeah. You've got nothing him. there to stick him with.
0: They were hoping it for a confession at that point. Like that's what they were.
1: Right. Right. For. And I even think like we're even right before that scene, we have another scene where he's talking about vampires at this point, which I, I'm having a hard time recollect because the, the first one is just so insanely good. But like, I remember the vampires one being almost nearly as good too. <laughs> I don't know, did you have anything any notes on that one, Bridget? Not to ask no, you if you did your homework or not. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, I just, see, it, you know, I just see the it they sort of it together. Yeah. yeah and the talking about George and Henry, the vampires, the wolves. You as the viewer have been given the pieces to know what he's talking about. But at the same time, you know that Celeste doesn't know these things she pretty much just knows that Dave at one point was taken in a car and something bad happened. Mm-hmm. And so she can't process how any of this information, any of this information that's flying at her.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Whereas, and at a certain point she's probably the person who doesn't want to, she can't kind of go down that road or he's never, talked
1: about it with her yeah i was kind of astounded right. at that too I, I think almost every time i realized like wow she he actually really didn't like you know they're married they have a kid they've had years together that he hasn't really expelled exactly what happened there mm-hmm. and even Where, despite i mean wasn't it like published in the globe or whatever that maybe would have happened so maybe yeah. not
0: the sexual assault maybe not the like the real details but yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it would have just it, been i was kidnapped as a kid for four days right. it was very traumatizing i don't want to talk about
2: it mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah Whereas, you know, just because so much of you compare her to Annabeth, Annabeth knows exactly who Jimmy is to the point that she doesn't stop him when he goes and commits the heinous murder. Mm -hmm. She just says, yep, I knew you were going to do it. You're a king. What about it?
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I'm a savage.
1: (laughs) whatever they they cut dave loose and then i think that's around the time and it almost seems like we're towards the end but we're really not but the savage brothers roll up after afterwards yeah well i think i think i think jimmy and celeste have like one last conversation together where Mm -hmm.
3: she
1: she She... says that like she basically said i think dave did it
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's right after the savage brothers have told him that Dave was picked up and brought into the police station. Two of the
1: biggest Boston cops. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's now the wheels are turning. Mm -hmm. And then Celeste who leaves the house, I think after the, the vampires Mm -hmm. and wolves talk with their son goes to Jimmy and tells him what's going on. And she has like the ultimate shaken leaf where she explains everything, but the way she delivers this line, where she goes, but there was nothing in the paper.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, there was nothing in the paper. I love that.
2: Yeah, it's so, you know... It's- if she just made
1: that plural, she would have, like, aged herself, like, 40 <laughs> years, like, the papers. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, I do love when she uses that line earlier in the movie, and Dave's, like... um katie died isn't that more important than whether or not there's news about a hobo in the papers or a mugger in the yeah, papers yeah, yeah. Hmm? Mm-hmm. isn't it what does it matter either way isn't this yeah,
1: more important I, even then in the uh, conversation i believe she's talking about even leaving dave she's like i'm going to be leaving dave yeah yeah
2: uh when in that conversation with jimmy on the stoop right and he takes her in it's very there's a lot of catholic imagery in this movie as well which makes sense because of the characters and the setting um but that scene of them on the stoop is very like
1: like a reconciliation or something yeah
2: yeah but confessional
1: confessional yeah whatever yeah
2: she's like and he's got his arm around her and just say tell me it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay and she falls for it, hook, line, and sinker. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and, like, the minute she says it, she's like, oh, God. Oh, my God. Like, she just, like, the fact that she can just get it out to, like, anyone else is just, like, Mm -hmm. a huge relief to her, but, like, also almost immediately, like, a disappointment that she did it, like, a regret that she did it.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, because I don't think she knows that, you know, Jimmy's as dangerous as she thinks, but she she realizes there's some sort of implication to what she
0: just said to him. Yeah, Yeah. I don't get a sense for how much knowledge she has. Um, uh, Maybe her cousin, sister, Laura Linney told her, but um, I don't. Yeah, I didn't. She clearly knew something bad was going to happen because, you know, Jimmy doesn't seem like the type even on the surface to let the murder of his child go. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know that she necessarily knew how much of the, the death warrant she was signing at that moment.
1: Gotcha. So I just want to quickly touch on it because like I said before, it does seem like we're getting towards the end because of the Savage Brothers picking them up. But it is, you know, a little ways away before the end. But they pick them up and it's like a a really cool scene or a terrifying scene. But Mm -hmm. the way it was just with the filmed and like, you know, one of the Savage Brothers like leans back and he's like, I don't know what he says to him, but he's like, you bet or something like that. And oh God, you just get chills because you you saw that same sort of like framing and everything and lighting from the same seen in the beginning, the way they drive off. And it's like, that's when, you know, Did so, so obviously you knew that Dave didn't do it. Did you have a feeling that Dave was going to be killed
3: mm-hmm.
1: by that point or even before that?
0: Once the Savage brothers got involved and granted, like we don't necessarily know who they are, but they're clearly his like henchmen. They helped him get behind the police line at the beginning. Like they've been running around town interviewing people. Like they're clearly very involved they got above some board tiny and,
1: organized crime thing going on. Here.
0: Yeah. Both above board and below here. The second they're like, okay, let's go talk to him. And you get the scene where they pick him up in the car, which at that moment I, I audibly was like, why does this dude ever get in cars? I feel like this dude would only take the bus. He would only <laughs> ride bikes. Like why would you ever
1: get, walking? Yeah.
0: <laughs> why would you ever get in the backseat of a car given your history I can't believe you're doing this. You're such a moron. Right. But I knew, I knew that was the beginning of the end for him because I had a funny feeling there was no way Jimmy was going to believe the story because Celeste didn't believe the story. And yeah. so if she's that scared and she doesn't believe the story and the timeline of everything matches up the way that it does, I didn't think he was going to get out of it.
1: Yeah, I, I was trying to, like, understand how maybe you were perceiving, perceiving what was going to happen because I knew there was the scene later on where the cops actually don't go, you know, maybe to, like, the bar that maybe some people would say where they would crescendo to a whole thing at the bar where, like, everyone's there and there's guns drawn or something ridiculous there, but they actually go to the, uh, the Harris apartment. Mm-hmm. So did you – I, so I guess you you really knew that like, they weren't going to have some sort of big standoff or something. The cops weren't going to go to the bar. That somehow Dave was going to like get away, and you know that they found said uh, pedophile body before the killing. Did you think anything that was going to happen, or were you kind of more like, oh wow, like they killed him way before any of that even was discovered?
0: Um, part of me now looking back on it thinks I probably should have seen something like that happening, or like a big Mexican standoff of like. You know, they're staring there. Dave's got a gun in his face. Jimmy's holding the gun. The Savage Brothers are all surrounding him. And then Sean comes in being like, Jimmy, it wasn't him. Jimmy, like, don't. Yeah. Jimmy, stop. Like, Jimmy, we got him. And maybe we could have gotten like a friends back together, camaraderie. We've seen type it a million moment.
1: times in a lot of other yeah. things. So I just wasn't too sure if that was something you were like, oh, maybe we're heading in that direction.
0: No, I kind of figured given the subject matter and everything that. Was, how
1: dark and stark everything was going on. It's yeah. like, you may as well just kill him and kill everyone else at this point, because this movie is like not going to show a shimmer of light.
0: Yeah. Well, it kind of like, it kind of has that vibe to me of the, like, Oh, the, the slow character murdered those children. I I'm trying to think of what movie it was where everyone thinks the mentally disabled person killed a bunch of kids or something, but it kind of felt like that of like, they they're pinning this on the emotionally damaged character Mm -hmm. it's clearly going to go with that through line because of how fucked up and dark everything is. And clearly everyone's been affected by that moment in the past. They wouldn't have shown that to me. Otherwise that has to culminate in something bad happening to one of these three. So whether it's Dave gets killed by Jimmy or Jimmy gets killed by Sean or Jimmy kills Sean, like one of these guys is getting taken out because of this larger misunderstanding. I didn't necessarily know how that was going to go down, but I figured wh- I figured once, once Dave got in the car, that was it for him. I didn't yeah. think that he had a, a way out, though there probably could have been a few ways in which they could have done that. I was pretty much on the track of like, nope, they're just going to ride this misunderstanding right to the end, and we'll figure out what we figure out. It was even possible at that point that we might not even know who the killer was. We just might be like... Oh, it wasn't. You know, we might not know who the killer is, but we found the the body by the bar.
1: Right. So one thing that I I thought was interesting because so you know, um, Brendan's been you know honest the entire time, but mm-hmm. during the interrogation he lies about the gun. Now, mm-hmm. did you have a feeling of where that gun originated from? I mean, we you know we obviously they sort of talked a little bit about that. It was, um, I, I might be confusing the timelines, but you know, um, that it was. Ray, uh, just Ray's gun at a robbery that was used but at that particular scene in the interrogation when they were talking about the gun have you seen a gun, did you think he was lying or was telling the truth?
0: Um, So I wrote down the scene where they get the ballistics report on the gun and they say
1: from the liquor store, yeah
0: it's the exact match to a liquor store robbery from 1983 where like Two guys held up a liquor store. We never found out who they were. I wrote down uh, "mute kid murderer." Like, <laughs> oh wow, okay. In that moment, because I was like, "All right, I don't believe it was Brandon or Brendan. I don't like. I don't believe that he did it. I do, I didn't think we were going to get this like reveal that he's actually a cold-blooded murderer, psychopath type. I didn't get that vibe from him. It's like I said, it seemed very sincere. I didn't really believe the mom would have gotten involved. She seemed too fringe-like because she just had that one scene where she was kind of a bitch, or an, a a, yeah, bitch. It's a, th- a throwaway She's, role. Yeah. yeah, She's
2: a psychological psychologically violent, not yeah. physically.
0: So I my two thoughts at that moment were, it's either the dad and he actually is around, he actually did go to Brooklyn, or he just disappeared and has been sending, you know, post dated checks or whatever to to help keep things afloat. So nobody goes to look for him kind of thing, which we know why that happens, but it's either him and he's still around. And that's the swerve is that he came swooping back in to dole out his own version of vigilante justice, or it's the kid, the mute kid, because that, and I leaned more towards the mute kid just because he was there in a bunch of scenes. They talk about how, um, Jimmy doesn't like him, thinks he's a little freak, thinks he's, you know, a fucked up weirdo, what a, you know, I don't like that guy, I don't like that family, that's the weirdest one of the family, I was like, okay, yeah, he's clearly been hated on by this guy the whole time, now he sees his brother go off with the girl who, you know, is the daughter of this man that he hates that hates him, there's this whole thing, it's, he did it, It, and um, I don't know that he actually did it, it might have been the other kid, but it was and it obviously i think they said it was an accident so i don't know who the actual murderer was but i was like i was like yeah mute killer rain scene like that that moment that's when i kind of i was on track with that thought process of like okay it was a Harris and then when the gun wasn't in the holster in the ceiling i was like okay i think i'm i think i've nailed this now cuz there's no way any other character is going to go into that house to go into that attic little hole to find the gun to then commit this random murder. Like there were too there was too little time left in the movie at that point to where they could have introduced some crazy new thing. Uh so but we but, but
1: we do we do find out that's not as random as we think. I mean, basically his brother did not want him to leave Boston. That was like part of the, the whole thing.
0: Was it? I don't yeah. even it, think that it, it was it's it, it, it,
1: it slipped in. It's a throwaway line and it's it's something that I caught on this this it's viewing. More...
2: It's more explicit in the books that that's his motivation. But yeah, like when Sean goes and explains it to Jimmy, he says they were just fooling around. It was a mistake. But in in the books, it's much more explicit that he is essentially laying a trap for her to stop her from leaving and taking his brother away, who's his sort of.
1: Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise he's stuck with his mom, and then he's just he's just fucked because his mom doesn't care or knows sign language or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because I think
0: they say like he was laying in the street so the car would stop. But I thought you know they were just being goofy kids. They didn't do enough to say. I think you needed a piece of dialogue to be like, yeah, he can, or show the confession to be mm -hmm. like, you know, he didn't want to leave, or just show him like writing it down or something, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, because it doesn't. I assumed that kind of, but it was, I didn't get the explicit nature because Sean even says like they were just trying to scare gun went off, you know, they chased her. So she wouldn't say anything. It wasn't, you know, the hockey stick beating thing from was more intense, but that just kind of seemed like a, Oh, they wanted to make it look like it was a random passerby and not an accidental one shot killing or whatever.
1: Yeah. And then obviously we have the 911 tape that sort of, you know, I, I I now that you've you've seen it a bunch, you'll hear it in the beginning of the movie where you hear the nine one tape. Like just for a second, you hear that line about you know they want to know her what's name. It,
2: what's her name?
1: Yeah. And it, it, it's 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 mixed well enough where it's not very pronounced, but you can hear it when you've seen it for a second time. Um,
0: yeah, I thought they were saying he wants to know your name.
1: Or yeah, I thought he well like, he, he wants to know our name or something like that or, yeah. or our names.
0: Which, again, made me think of the mute kid because it's like he wants to know your name and he's saying that because the mute kid maybe called 911 or something like that. And he's like, oh, he wants to know your name. What should we tell him? And the other person does not speak. So that's why I was – I picked up on that even when he was listening to it again. But the the her name thing I thought was a nice touch where they replayed it a couple of times because I did not hear that in any other instance.
1: It's almost baffling they even called the uh, 911 to begin with. but. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so now we're we're at the we're at the bar with the Savage Brothers and they're getting, <laughs> they're getting Dave pretty fucked up
3: mm-hmm. on
1: whiskey to the point where they even asked for the bottle. One thing that I noticed, I mean obviously I know Jimmy's gonna kill him, but I noticed Jimmy walks in with a leather jacket on mm-hmm. for the first time and I'm like, Okay, this is like Savage Brother business, like these... got
0: the gloves on
1: too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like anyone who's sort of picking up on those nuances knows that, okay, this is, this is it. This is the nail in the coffin.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what'd you think about like that, that sort of scene to sort of, I mean, again, maybe not much to sort of talk about there, but you know, you got Jimmy who's just sitting there. staring at Dave while he's just half dead at this point from alcohol. But, um, what do you, what'd you guys think about that, that scene in particular?
0: I liked it. I liked that. Um, You know Dave's super out of it, and Jimmy wasn't really saying anything, and it was just the Savage Brothers kind of goofing off and being, you know, typical jerk off, small time criminals, where they're telling their stories and laughing about, eh, we ain't going straight, like we're we're still in the game kind of thing. Um, But I liked that Jimmy was just sitting there, very quietly, just kind of watching Dave, just seeing how Dave's reacting to things, seeing where Dave's head is at, because Jimmy knows what's about to go down, and I suspect Dave probably had some kind of inkling that things aren't as they seem especially when jimmy walks in with another heavy who then stands like at the door to make sure no one comes in or goes over to the bar to make sure the bartender's a little preoccupied kind of thing um it could have been a little shorter just because uh,
1: again it, r- it ran weird. a little long but i, I also like it too because i think it's the first time that jimmy's seen him since celeste said what she said and yes. the whole sort of just like now he finally gets to see like him in the flesh and he's just really just sort of reading every little thing that he's doing, whether it's things that are that he he's hoping to confirm or he's, you know, giving him the benefit of the doubt like that. Not to say that, like the fact that he's so drunk, that he's going to say something like I didn't kill your daughter, but like he's looking for little glimmers of like, maybe should I not kill this guy? And then he's like, I'm going to fucking kill this guy behind mm-hmm. the bar. You know, they 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 bring him outside, but. I think right in between that, it's edited in where the two boys come home to the Harris residence. And mm-hmm. you got Brendan with the the, the empty holster. How did that scene play out for you, Adam?
0: I really liked that a lot. I loved the, if you love me, say it. Say you love me. Say your name. Say my name. Like Say anything. I know you can talk. If you love me so much, just say it. Say it. Say it. Yeah. And that was very powerful. That actor was great. I mean, he did a he did it, yeah.
1: Job excellent, excellent sense. job.
0: Um, but that one in particular the viciousness in which he was just caving that dude's face in,
1: uh, oh, know, just kick, kicking that, that kid's head in, yeah,
0: yeah, where he's like, He doesn't do anything without you. What did you do? Where were you? And that was it's... another part that confused me. And kind of after everything goes down, where he that kid who I don't think we saw at all the rest of the movie, maybe once.
2: He comes said, into the apartment when the mom is there. Yeah. The first interrogation, we see him.
0: Yeah.
2: I think we see him.
1: There's a couple of times where he shows up, but you don't see his face at all. He's just yeah, right yeah. Yeah, walk he's into walking. a room or whatever. Yeah.
2: He's doing the conspicuous suspect that you're never going to see in completely in focus from an episode of Law and Order
0: <laughs> acting. Right.
3: <laughs> it's just kind of.
0: But fair. he said something to the effect if he wanted Brendan dead which I was confused by. I was like, wait, why does he want him dead? Is it just cause he caved his face in or, or is it, does this have anything to do with the regular murder? I'm very confused. I
1: think it's just like pure rage. He's just kind of like this yeah. guy just caused more damage to me than anyone else like that, that ever has. And I, I know where this gun is. I have this gun and I can easily just kill another person right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, very intense scene. The music just escalates and it's very, it's, it's, Again, it's, it's juxtaposed everything that's going on now outside of the bar where you got Jimmy laying into Dave about, you know, you killed my daughter. You killed my daughter.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the two back and forth. I like yeah, it was it was edited
1: very well. That time. whole sequence mm-hmm. is because you don't know where we're going to go next with it. And the fact that he like he gets him to like confess to the murder just so he could see Celeste again or whatever. And then he just, you know, or, you know, I'll, I'll open you the fuck up if you don't say anything. Yeah, I don't know. What did you think about that scene uh, on the river?
0: I liked it. I I liked that Tim Robbins was slipping between what really happened and the story of the boy and the wolf to where yeah. he kept saying the boy, the kid. And he's, you know, his he's clearly wasted, obviously. Yeah, so I, I was,
1: mean, his cheese has slipped off his cracker like a long time ago at this point. Yeah.
0: But. So, like, mentally he's been broken since the conversation with Celeste. Now he's wasted and fearful and his brain is going back and forth because of his trauma between the story that he's been telling as a bedtime story to his kid, which like is all kinds of fucked up. Um, but this like novelization, so to speak of what took place where he like turned it into a story that helps him or is you know a coping mechanism, I guess.
3: Yeah. And the
0: fact that he's slipping between both is making it so they're, that nobody believes him and i like that kind of breakdown uh between between that Uh, so i really like that scene a lot the only thing i didn't like about it was the big sunburst flash when the gun goes off i could have done without that
1: That's more of the grandiose reveling that i think uh, eastwood is just doing there but um
0: yeah, it was a choice. It just wasn't one that I was agreed a creative, with.
1: Yeah, it was a creative choice. It was just a, you know, where we're going to – the next scene is going to be a nice, bright uh, daytime shot. Let's just yeah. use the muzzle flash to uh, get us there. I don't know. Bridget, For what about you? Because I think this is that, – that sequence, that like five or ten-minute sequence, is one of the most like crazy crescendos – I mean, it, we're we're talking almost like Greek tragedy uh, territory here with what's going on.
3: Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's very much just it just insanely heart like unnerving and heartfelt and disturbing. And uh, is that some of the stronger sequences in the movie for you?
2: Yes, and I, it's it's pulling all the thematic threads together, which I like. Clint Eastwood, say what you will, he's really good at looking at american masculinity and this is all about that and you have the the central tragic figure dave coming to his end you have both sean and jimmy leaning into their destinies you know sean has the redemption arc like he is not frozen He's not inactive. He's not a Celeste where he's like, I don't know what to do. He takes action, but he, in doing that, he stops Brendan from killing his brother. He stops other (laughs) law and order kid from killing Brendan. So he sort of like steps in, stops the cycle of violence. And you see Jimmy just fully embrace it once again. And... It's just so you start to see the motivations because you kind of get the the history of Jimmy and uh just, just red yeah. laid out. And I think I love this reveal, and you I guess it is not hidden, but I like the way it is laid out at this point where you, you're led to believe through Sean and Lawrence Fishburne's conversations that, oh, well, Jimmy whacked Ray Mm -hmm. Sr. because he he rolled on him. He he dimed him out and he makes it very explicit. That's not why it's because he took my time from my family from me. I could have like stole my family from me and you've done the same thing and now you're going to pay. That's Mm -hmm. that's the ultimate, you know, how am I going to protect my family?
1: Very much wow. in the uh, the Church of Jimmy, you know what I mean? It just, like, it's, you know, you, you we're going to wash our sins clean here at the river, and... Yeah. Yeah, very and, cathartic moment.
2: Yeah, and then the, you know, the irony on the flip side, you have Sean, who can't get his family back until he starts to apologize, essentially, for for going down this more violent, dark-sided path, not being with Lauren. It's not until he... Makes that kind of conscious choice, whether or not it's conscious or not, until that choice is made. That Lauren decides to come back to him and gotcha. stop mumbling things on the phone. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so,
1: um, uh,
2: yeah, very poetic.
1: Yeah, I, I I love that sequence. And then we arrive, which I believe is kind of like like a 10-15 minute sort of. It feels like an epilogue to a a book because I think in a lot of other movies or anything they would have ended. Maybe not as abruptly, but they would have tied it up quicker than this movie does. But they let it settle a little bit. But as far as you know, you know Sean getting back with the the wife, or I I, I back up a little bit. So we're we we roll up on Jimmy, who's just a wrecking himself at mm-hmm. the same spot where everything happened at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's telling them about the kids. The kids did it. And Jimmy's like, are you sure? Are you sure? And like one of the best lines in the movie is like, you know, when was the last time you saw Dave? Like that Mm -hmm. is one of the best lines in the movie. Mm -hmm.
0: Because that's what Dave said about himself is that I never really came back from there. He says that at one point earlier uh, during Mm -hmm. one of his mental episodes.
1: But yeah, very, very great. Very good scene. I think it should
0: have ended there. Honestly, I think like, it
1: should have ended there because it everything that preceded it. I would have loved to wonder or have the audience wonder whether or not Sean pursued charges or anything with what he had on him. You know what I mean? It's like is he gonna is he gonna stay quiet or not? Doesn't have happen- anything
0: ultimately. Like I think that's that's why I thought the movie was truly over there because Jimmy walks off drunkenly, stumbling down the street, you know, same street they put in his kids, and Sean has nothing. He has no body. He has no evidence. He just has the hunch and the knowledge that, yeah, Jimmy Jimmy killed him. Jimmy killed Dave. That's why he's so fucked up. And you know what? He did it because something, you know, we thought he did it too. Clearly something's fucked up there. He was a broken man who just lost a daughter. Like, I'm just going to let him go. And we, the audience, would be like, did he pursue charges? What kind of guilt is is Jimmy now living with? Like, what... What happens after the camera stops rolling would have, I think, been a lot better of an ending. And that was, this is what I was referencing earlier when you said it was two hours in change. And I said it could use about 10 minutes less change. Right. Because everything, the whole parade sequence, the whole Laura Linney's a diabolical mastermind speech. Lady Macbeth, yeah. Yeah. I don't, didn't, didn't like any of that at all. So I really wish the movie had ended here.
1: Yeah. I, I think, I, they didn't hammer it home quite well enough for me at the end, but I really think they're just kind of telling the audience that, you know, they are accepting the pain of what has happened and that, you know, if they had all three of them got into the car, it would have been different. But like now that just the two of them got away with it, that like they have to live with the same pain of not getting into the car with him mm-hmm. or something to that effect. Again, I think it's, it's, there's nothing straightforward about it. There's nothing concrete about it. So, I mean, my opinion is maybe just as good as anyone else's about the end of it. But I think, in some way or another, they're just alluding to the fact that these these guys will still be very much in pain. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, Dave's dead, but um, that they will be living with this for the rest of their life, and they're certainly not scot free per se.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think it's uh, sometimes I think all three of us got in that car. Yeah,
1: correct. Mm-hmm. That and- was the line
2: we're still in it and this is all a dream. And then mm-hmm. that's Sean to Jimmy and Jimmy's like a dream. Cause that was part of Dave being like, I don't know his, his conversation the night before.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think all of the biggest, most impactful lines and moments, like as cliche as it probably would have been, I don't think I would have hated if you showed Jimmy like walking off and then you just do a slow pan down to the sidewalk with like the names there and fade to black. Like, it would have been a little cliche and I might have groaned a little bit, but I think I would have enjoyed that much more than the parade sequence and, yeah. and everything that followed. And then
2: up. a, a post credit scene of Marsha Gay Harden just shaking <laughs> in the street yeah. by
1: herself. <laughs> or, just, or just even, like, a sequence where, like, they're talking about all, like, the condominiums and the yuppies coming in that, like, they're, like they're showing, like, a later sequence of, like, that street being getting ripped up or something like that and that slab mm. being removed or something yeah. like that. Like, that would have been... Cool to see,
0: yeah.
1: Um, but I mean, as it is, I it's a very haunting movie for me. It's it's again, I think like I was saying before, it does a lot of things for me that I can't really explain in words so much. But I think what it does a lot, it has a lot of great moments. It has a lot of excellent acting in it. The procedural part of it, like you said, Adam doesn't hold up if you're a big fan of you know murder mysteries and law and orders, and you want to be five steps behind what's going on. I mean, here you're well ahead of it. So that's not going to be a, uh, a entertaining part for people who going into it. But I think this has way more stronger points than it does weak, weaker points. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's a reason why I sort of go back to it, you know, every now and again.
2: Yeah. I will say, you know, I think the poetic finish ends with Jimmy and Sean on the street. I do have a soft spot for the Laura Linney scene. I, I just like it. I do. I, I just I, I like do. her saying, who says that about their husband? I just it like delights me in an, in an evil way.
1: Um, it just makes him cause, but because early on. You're just like, okay, Jimmy's just a convenience store guy. And then you start hearing a little bit more about maybe he was a criminal and then, okay, he was a criminal and then, okay. All of a sudden he has criminal friends and then, so it gets to the point where he's like Tony Soprano at the end and it's yeah. like it's it
0: just felt, it's it felt like uh, you know Mystic River Dawn of the Irish Mafia in like kind of thing like it's it felt like a prequel to
1: to like an excellent TV series on FX or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Yeah I I I do have some admiration for that scene just because of how wild it is and that it if whether or not it was in the book or not I'm I'm sure it was. It's but just so that, they, that, that they left it in is wild enough as it is. And it just, yeah, just like the fact that you're a king and your daughters are. Yeah. You know, she didn't say princesses or anything like that, but she probably would have gone down that road. But.
2: Yeah, um, that can never be wrong. Anything you did out of love for them could never be wrong, um, I think is one of the lines.
1: Yeah. But you're right. Like, I don't think. I mean, I would love the movie all the same, but it's 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 a unique enough moment in itself that I'm glad that it's in there and not in there. <laughs> yeah.
2: And to be honest, like, if I'm, like, every once in a while, like, I might look for, like, scenes from this movie on YouTube. That's one of them. Just oh, really? So, yes. Just, one, I love Laura Linney, Two. I just, it's, it is... Way yeah it's for, for me
1: if i've ever researched the scenes, it's, it's like either like the like the one of the the wolf scene or just the the crescendo like the last like 15 minutes before uh he gets whacked adam i mean all all in told i know right at the beginning you had maybe a little bit reservations but really liked it did you have any other unique perspectives or revelations as far as differences from you uh liking it better or less from this conversation are you right about where you were
0: um no i'm still i think right about where i am i i I think that I definitely need to sit more with it and determine for myself, maybe upon repeat viewings, how much does the execution of getting across the themes play now that I know what the movie is? Because I think, when we've touched on this, that my biggest problem is it's not the movie I thought it was going to be, Mm -hmm. in that I thought it was going to be more of a, procedural or a like a court i didn't need to necessarily be five steps behind or five steps ahead i wanted to find it's out it's a slow burn i wanted to well i just wanted to find out i when everyone in the movie finds out who the killer was i also want to find out who the killer was or i wanted it to be very clear that we're following the the guy who maybe seems like he did it to everyone else, but we know for a fact he didn't do it rather than so many red herrings to be like, he did it. He did it. Oh, he's he's, somebody said, hi, he did it. Oh, it's this guy. He did it. Just kidding. It was the kids. I, I I either wanted it to be, we're all along for this ride. We don't know who it is. We're all going to find out together. Or you see the attack on the pedophile at the very beginning and you know, you can clear him right away. And then it's kind of the, I feel like that would have played off a lot better. The everyone doesn't believe him. Everyone is scared of him. He's breaking down. His past trauma is coming back to really just fucking kick him in the ass. I wanted one of one or two of those.
1: Yeah. I mean it's and almost it like didn't
0: what me. Quite get it. And I think that so upon repeat viewings and thinking more about it will determine where it lands. But for me, ultimately, the performances are very good the movie is good it's just it's not elevated enough for me at this moment in one sitting because of the questions that i have about the you know the choices made for the story Uh, which again i don't know how much it deviates from the book or if the book kind of makes it more clear that you're not supposed to believe it's dave or anything like that Um, but just in sitting with it now an hour or whatever past fin finishing yeah uh, i don't I don't know how I feel about it going forward necessarily do
1: you do you think it lives in the pantheon of great Boston movies? does it live up there with the departed and gone baby gone and the town and
3: the
1: um, other ones? I mean, I, I I will say I, we didn't really touch on it too much, but do you think it has a good representation of Boston, the neighborhoods, the the culture, the dialect? Did you get a sense of place that we're not just in some suburb in Pennsylvania, but we're absolutely in Boston?
0: Nah, not necessarily. I okay, mean, this could have been any close knit city suburb. This could have been South Philly. This could have been the Bronx or Brooklyn in the you know '80s or '90s. Like this could have been any one of those. Suburbs of a so you got city. you got a
1: better sense of place in things like Gone Baby Gone that are departed that they were in Boston opposed to this one I mean I mean you could rip those movies out of where they were and put them in any, in any other city in America
0: well it's not about um, where you could put them it's just like they they don't really show you anything more than those three blocks really those so, three stoops yeah that's really the only I love every
1: one of can. those steps
0: oh yeah no I love the stoops they're fantastic but. I, you know, things like the town, they're driving through the city, you're seeing Fenway, you're seeing a Prudential Center, you know, some of those other movies, you're more in and around different parts of Boston, and you're touching on different areas, like in The Departed, you've got police precincts, you've got upscale neighborhoods, you've got dingy neighborhoods, you've got the local convenience, like you've got a bunch of different places. Much smaller movie, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we don't,
2: we don't have a rat walking across the state house, so. Yeah,
1: so not don't, Boston enough.
0: Yeah. We're We're so a
1: like, wolf walking across the... Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, I get it. Obviously, the, the accents are there. Um, and I think it nailed that small town suburb feel of everybody knows everybody. Everybody goes to church on Sunday. So you see people at church. You see people after church. You know, everybody's hitting up the same convenience store to go buy liquor and cigarettes or whatever. So... That aspect of it, I think they nailed the like Boston vibe for it. But ultimately, that easily could have just been any other city suburb and didn't necessarily nail the "Hey, we're in Boston." And maybe you could have used an Affleck or a Damon, but it's a real hammer at home. But
1: cool. And then just Bridget, real quickly, I'll toss it to you. Any uh, any final thoughts on seeing it for the fifth or sixth time, or eighth time, or tenth time? <laughs> uh- Anything you took away you didn't see this this past time around?
2: Definitely rate it more highly than I did on the last watch. Okay. Um, I think it can be... Uh, your mileage may vary, even depending on your mood when you watch this movie. Um, you know, not that I would say, like, A Silence of the Lambs is a light movie, but in there's, some there's ways levity it in feels yeah. later you know that you're moving towards something. This is, you know, this is a Greek tragedy mm-hmm. set like at a murder in Boston,
3: essentially. Yeah.
2: Um but highly recommend Marsha yeah. Gay Harden.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: just or
3: <laughs> just yeah.
2: Shook me.
1: Yeah, again for me like I said all the performances are great. It's one that I revisit. I think it's one of uh Clint Eastwood's strongest uh, directed movies. I love the score. I know it's maybe mu- used a lot for ma- manipulation purposes a lot in this movie, but it it's cuz it's really it's just the same motif every time but it's done in different ways and it's done smartly in a lot of ways and it's all made uh better the fact that clinice would compose it which is kind of wild but yeah a lot of solid performances um love the locale love the actors and it'll be something that i revisit uh often
0: cool well one thing i want to add just because i'm sure people would have been screaming at their at their radios or headphones when we were wondering what things uh, brendan has been in and he is smalls from the sandlot
1: oh shit i i remember reading about that years ago wow Yeah,
0: yeah. I like pulled up the IMDb at one point, and I was was the very first thing of the known for, and I was like, "Oh, son of a bitch, that is why I recognized him because that he has that same that same face."
1: (laughs) I can see him covered in all that vacuum dust now.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I did just want to uh, to mention that before finishing things up because it sounds like that'll do it for this week's episode of Fine, I'll Watch It. Remember, you can find every episode of Fine, I'll Watch It every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. So let us know what you think of Mystic River. What are some of your favorite Clint Eastwood-directed movies or Sean Penn-starring movies? How are the accents in this? Did you know who done it? Did you believe Dave was innocent the whole time? Let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. But once again, for fine, I'll watch it. My name is Adam. I'm Bridget. And I'm Johnny. And thanks so much for
1: listening.